Thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and I'm joined by Muneeb Ali, Stacks founder, with your regular weekly updates. Now we're going to dive into it. You recently tweeted about how Bitcoin performed against Ethereum in the past most recent bull run. Can you unpack this a little bit and share the bigger takeaway for folks? Yeah, I think I think it was a very interesting dynamic. If uh, obviously there are kind of like different uh, tribes in the crypto industry, uh, so if you're if you're kind of like part of the uh, the Bitcoin community, uh, you'll notice that a lot of people are focused on uh, the use of Bitcoin as money, right? Like Bitcoin is basically trying to solve um, the the hard money problem for the world, which is which is a very different um, type of a, almost like a problem that it's addressing compared to being a smart contract platform, right? So Ethereum is primarily a smart contract platform. And recently in the, in the previous years, you might've seen memes around kind of like ultrasound money. So Ethereum is kind of like, you know, trying to come after the Bitcoin market uh, in trying to be money as well. So if you're more in the Ethereum camp, you would notice people would um, point to a lot of um, developer traction. Uh, they would point to like gas fees uh, to say that, hey, look, uh, people are actually using this network. And I think that is true. Like as a smart contract platform, there is a lot more applications and, and user activity and developers on, on, the, um, on the Ethereum platform. Interestingly, uh, you would see a lot of um, kind of like, you know, thesis or, or, or um, kind of like projections where people think that either Ethereum is going to flip Bitcoin because of these metrics and developer traction, um, and, and, and interestingly, that did not happen this cycle. Uh, for people who've been in the industry for a while, there was a similar type of a dynamic in 2017 as well, and that didn't happen in 2017 either. So I think, I think it's worth taking a deeper dive at what's going on here, because uh, I, would, I would actually go to the extent of saying that that was the mainstream opinion. Uh, a lot of people are kind of like... Um, in a way, writing off Bitcoin and the development that's happening on Bitcoin to kind of like say that, hey, most of the interesting new things are happening on Ethereum or maybe some of the, the newer blockchains, right? And my, my thesis is, is, is quite different from that and it's a little bit contrarian. And that is more like Bitcoin is solving a different problem. It is trying to be hard money and Bitcoin is actually winning at that. And then there is a different market, like uh, it's almost like a market for computation, right? Like smart contract platforms. You can think of that as like a cloud computing, like a next generation cloud type of market. It's, it's a very different market. Uh, it's about decentralized trustless computations and, and, and the smart contract. And interestingly, Ethereum is actually losing market share to the newer smart contract platforms. Like if you, for example, had a basket of, you know, Solana, Avalanche, Near, or Stacks, or other, other types of newer smart contract platforms, you can, you can take a look at any metric. It could be market cap. It could be um, users, transactions, developers. Collectively, this basket of newer platforms are actually gaining market share, relative market share on Ethereum. And, and Ethereum is not getting any closer to winning being money uh, compared to Bitcoin. Like I think Bitcoin is getting adopted by nation states, by public companies who can put it on their balance sheet. And in general, I think I think uh, Bitcoin is kind of like winning in mainstream adoption, right? Like 
Uh, we saw how Bitcoin will be accepted at McDonald's and Walmart's through Lightning and so on. So there, there's a lot of progress of, of you know, use as money. So that's that's how I think about it. That I actually think that there there um, needs to be like a deeper dive on these different dynamics. That why is Bitcoin here to stay? Like it's been here for like you know decades. And if anything, Bitcoin dominance is holding up or increasing now, especially with the uh, with, with the bear market. And then what's the opportunity of actually building smart contracts in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Because that's that I think is a very unique opportunity that obviously SACS targets. Uh, and 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 we like the the viewers of of uh, this uh, uh, channel would be very familiar with that. All right, thank you so much. Now, there's been some conversation lately around the health and the number of miners on stacks. Can you share your latest thinking on this and sort of how you're prioritizing it? Yeah, so I think it's great. First of all, it's great to see that discussion happening in the community. Uh, people should check out like the forum and GitHub. Uh, forum is a little bit easier, like, you know, unless you're a programmer who spends a lot of time with GitHub, GitHub discussions can be a little bit more, more clunky. So people should go out, go to like forum.sax.org and check out the discussions there. Uh, I think uh, Ryan has started a very interesting thread uh, where uh, he has a very interesting proposal, which is basically looking at, hey, can we actually separate kind of like the bidding process from the winning miner? Right. So what if people can just bid using stacks, which is which is kind of like a higher bandwidth, low fee uh, layer. Right. And then use Bitcoin only for actual transfer of BTC. I think it's an interesting idea. There's something there. That's what I said in my comments as well. My, my first thought was that right now, the verifiable random function, the VRF, which actually selects which miner gets selected, it's implemented on the Bitcoin side. So that's how you know you're benefiting from the security of Bitcoin. The Bitcoin can independently uh, tell you which miner got elected as the leader, right? So you kind of lose that property, and you would have to do a deeper analysis of um, you know what are the security implications on consensus if you move the leader election to the stacks layer, right? But something something to really explore. I think there's an interesting discussion happening there, and I think then um, GM Chung had an interesting. Uh, idea as well that was around kind of like proposing some sort of a cap on the bids. Uh, in my view, like there's some downside there because it can lead to a situation where, uh, because if you're putting a cap on the bid and let's say a miner wants to, wants to bid a lot more, they would just start, you know, different addresses and start bidding from different addresses. Right? So effectively what you're doing is that now that miner is paying much more in Bitcoin fees than the the, the actual bid, right? So the net effect of something like that could be that the Bitcoin yield for a lot of stackers basically goes down. It takes a dip, right? So you might see more unique addresses on the Bitcoin chain, which might not actually be unique, right? It might be the same miner who's who's doing that. But the BTC yield could actually take a significant hit, right? So one of the, again, like I think these are interesting ideas. We should explore them. So one of the ideas that I've been working on we call this like dust fee mining. It's kind of like a variation of this, putting a cap on the bid, but you're doing that only for 10% of the rewards, right? And the cap is actually very limited uh, because you're letting these people mine just with dust fees, right? So what, what we're effectively saying is that uh, the maximum kind of like negative impact on the Bitcoin yield can be 10%, right? Uh, it can't be more than that because the rest of the mining dynamics absolutely remain the same. But there's this 10% bucket for, let's call them like small, small miners, 
um, you're actually basically saying just mine by doing by doing Bitcoin fees uh, and forget about kind of like you know sending any money to the stackers uh, because that that's what the dust fee money means. And if you run the numbers, you know at the ten percent number and one thousand STX uh, reward, you can get like you know more than even like hundred new miners. Right, so that's a very kind of like precise kind of like almost like surgery on the on the um, uh, economic incentives that can get get you more than more than kind of like hundred miners on the network, and obviously a lot more if uh, the 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 total money at the table increases, which is either the increase in the STX price or the increase in gas fees uh, and, and and so on. Right, so you can even have more miners. I think the fundamental limitation that everyone should think about is what percent of Bitcoin's bandwidth do you want to consume, right? Because if that number is very, very high, let's say you start consuming, in my view, like 30, 40% of Bitcoin's bandwidth, I do think we'll start seeing some pushback from Bitcoin developers and, and, and Bitcoin community that, hey, look, and, you know, Stacks is interesting, but it's actually consuming a lot of the bandwidth on, on the Bitcoin side, right? So I, I picked the 10% number because uh, that also interestingly uh, correlates with trying to use something like 10% or maybe 5% of Bitcoin's bandwidth because Bitcoin does something between 1,000 to 2,000 transactions and 100 miners would mean 100 transactions uh, per block, right? which which I think is a reasonable number, but that's that's just, just kind of like my opinion. Uh, I think these are interesting ideas. These are technical topics, so you might not get all of the details in a video. Uh, so I will highly encourage people to like jump into the forum and, and try to find more details on GitHub and, and actively engage. Like I think one of the benefits of having a decentralized community is that no one can make these changes, right? Like as a community, as, as miners, as users and developers, like we kind of like need to come together and follow the SIP process. Like no single person can actually make, make any or, uh, changes to, uh, to the network. Definitely, thank you. Now, there was another SIP that was recently published um, that covered a potential change to Stack's emission schedule. It was published by Zan at Demon Technologies. Can you share any additional context on um, that SIP and, and background? Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting SIP. Like I've I've been publicly uh, supportive of some version of that. I don't know if that exact thing is, is what I support, but I think I'm generally supportive of some version of that. And I can I can uh, walk through my reasoning. Right? So basically, the way the way to think about this is that the security, the total security budget of the Stacks network, and it's a very important thing because that's the incentive that miners have to come and, and mine and secure that chain, right? So we had approximately in dollar terms, depending on how you measure it, something like you know, 60, 70 million dollars of security budget. Like that was the mining incentive going out last year, right? In general, I would love to see this number in billions. Right. Because if you're building a really successful, huge network uh, where you know billions of dollars are being secured, you want the security budget of the network to be in billions. And, and if you look at the market, you know networks like Ethereum and Solana and others, they're already kind of there. Like you, they, they use different mechanisms, but approximately the security budget is in the order of billions. Right. So even though on the Bitcoin side, this was a very large number because networks like Liquid basically don't have a security budget, you're just trusting the, the centralized actors who are running it, or RSK has a very low security budget. It basically has gas fees, right? Which are something like 200,000 uh, per month, roughly. Like this is a stat that uh, some RSK community member posted. Uh, uh, so so on, on the Bitcoin side, I think, let's call it approximately 100 million security budget is decent. 
But as a smart contract platform, you need this number to be much, much higher, right? And in, in the coming years, the realistic path to, uh, to this is really that the network utilization goes up, which means the gas fees go up. And mostly the gas fees would drive this number or, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like talking about the price or future price of the asset, but over here, technically speaking, you know, the STX price pair plays a huge role here as well. So if STX appreciates over Bitcoin or, or the US dollar in the coming years, which, you know, I would guess would be because of network growth and developers and users actually coming and using this network, that also increases the security budget. Um, uh, and I think, I think, so those are kind of like the three variables, the block rewards, which are preset at the time of the mainnet launch. We know what the block reward schedule is going to be. And then there are two variables. One is the gas fee and one is the, the, the STX price relative to Bitcoin or USD, however you want to calculate it. So we know that two of the variables, we can't really control them, right? Like we, gas fee is going to go up when there are more users and more applications and the price is going to play out how it's going to play out in the market. But roughly speaking over long time horizons, I think is correlated with network growth, like how many users and developers are, 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 are there. So the only thing that's kind of like, you know, you can discuss is the emission schedule, right? And the emission schedule is, is uh, basically uh, originally defined in a way that it's meant to compensate for low gas fees in the initial years. So it's more early on, like, you know, 1,000 STX, then it halves, then halves again, and then there's a minimum that it comes to. And the entire idea is that it gives the network some bootstrapping time, that until there are, there are gas fees, you're giving kind of like these block rewards. So the question really becomes that are the gas fees enough today, or how many years do we, do we think um, that gas, it will take for the gas fees to become significant? So as of today, right now, the gas fees are not significant. Right? Like let's 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 even put numbers on it. Uh, I think at least I would say 500 STX per block uh, would be a good number. That's like roughly half of the block rewards. A thousand STX or more uh, per block would be be uh, even better. And so we are not there yet, right? So in this early days of like the bootstrapping phase, uh, you the only knob that you have is the block rewards. So the SIP right now was proposing basically increasing the block rewards uh, in the early early years, let's say more in the next two years, some more in the in, in the next halving cycle and so on. But that was also resulting in kind of like a net increase in the year 2050 supply. I think a variation of this could be that you actually don't increase the, the net supply for year 2050 or maybe even decrease it a little bit, but just pull the curve a little bit forward, right? So uh, there are, are more emissions happening in the coming years and then it Kind of like drops off and 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 levels off so that the total supply in year 2050 kind of like remain, either remains the same or basically even drops a little bit. I think that might be something that uh, more people more people can get behind uh, because effectively if there because the only downside of this thing is that people will be like, hey, there there is more float happening, so I'm getting diluted down, right? Which which is also interesting because if, if you dig deeper, uh, if you're an active member meaning that you're actively using the network and especially you're stacking actively, you're actually not getting diluted down because you're uh, the people who are inactive and they're not stacking, they're the ones who are paying the cost for any, any inflation that's happening. Because right now the rate of the Bitcoin rewards is much higher than the rate of effective inflation per year because only 35% of the supply is actually participating in stacking. Right? So in a way, you're kind of like, uh, rewarding the people who are active on the network and, and people who are inactive, they're kind of like paying the cost. If if you increase um, the supply, which right now I'm not sure 
uh, if that's the way to go. But I think in general, this particular discussion of uh, you know by when do we expect the the gas fees to become more significant, and what's the uh, what's the kind of like the bootstrapping stage in which you want you want the network to kind of like reach escape velocity. Right. I think that's a very interesting discussion. My personal view is that it should be at least two years, if not more, two, three years or something like that, uh, maybe maybe up to four or more, that we give ourselves the time uh, so that you know enough developers and, and users start using the network and, and the gas fees actually become um, much more significant. All right. Thank you so much. We'll try and link out to some of those resources and to the forum, et cetera, um, down below. But thank you so much for being here, Maneev, and thanks to everyone who's tuning in to Stacker Chats. Please make sure to like this video, subscribe for more content like this, and let us know if you have any questions either in the comments below or on Twitter. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.